My name is Laura, and I'm a clergywoman serving a local church in Potomac, Maryland. I've had the privilege of serving seven congregations over the course of my 39 years in ordained ministry. And each week, well, most weeks, I find myself diving deep into the scriptures assigned by the Common Lectionary. It matters not that I have preached most of these passages multiple times. Each sermon is written for the week at hand, and inevitably, there are things left over. Thoughts that I have, ideas that I've gleaned from a variety of voices, usually left on the cutting room floor. And then Matthew joined our staff at Potomac United Methodist Church and challenged me to create a podcast with my leftovers. So here we go. I'm not too old to try a new thing, and I'm hoping that in the few minutes we will share, you might find something loosened in your chest so that hope and grace may fill you to overflowing. That's my simple prayer. Welcome to Leftovers. So here's what's left over for me this week. On Sunday, we welcomed 19 people into the membership at Potomac United Methodist Church. We're a small membership congregation averaging about 60 people in worship on a good Sunday morning with about another two dozen online. So 19 people was a sight to behold. I was by as a kite when I hugged each of their necks. There is a member of our church family who often takes pictures of the goings-on, and he clicked a bunch and sent them to me. New families took up the whole front of the church. It, it, it took two rows. One family was three generations. I don't put barriers to membership. If you want to be with us, come on in. The water's fine. Oh, the energy was palpable. Coffee hour that followed was full of connection making. I was scrolling through the pictures this past week when I hit one where I was standing in the center aisle facing the folks at the chancel rail asking the questions of membership. And immediately I felt sick to my stomach. I wondered, who is that white-haired chubby bunny? What in the world? Now I will admit that I have never had a great relationship with my body. My brothers and I tend toward the chubby side. We wear it pretty well, but for as long as I can remember, we have collectively wished for something we are not. Thin. Normal. When we were kids, our mom shopped in the husky section of Sears for my brothers and acted like we would not notice, but we always noticed. We've always known. We've always wished. I joined Weight Watchers with my parents for the first time when I was 13. That's eighth grade, and I still hold memories of the junior high school cafeteria where I brown bagged my lunch. Of eating carrots and celery sticks my mom had painstakingly cut up and put in a baggie. Her evening advice when we wandered back into the kitchen hungry after dinner was, eat an apple or an orange. We preferred neither. We take after our dad. He was a big guy who commanded every room he entered with his size, his voice, his assumed authority. He was always thought in the winter months to resemble Santa with his white beard, full head of white hair, 
twinkling eyes and deep laugh. It took me 50 years to make peace with myself. I believe my exact words were, fuck it. I am who I am. I am the size I am. I am the faithful woman that I am. I am okay with who I am. I stopped fretting about food. I stopped weighing every week. I stopped self-loathing. It was working until I saw myself in this picture from Sunday. Damn it. It might not have been so bad, except earlier this week, I met with some of my childhood besties for lunch. The last of our gang finally turned 63, so we gathered. One of my buds told me that she had consulted a plastic surgeon about a facelift, a brow lift, a neck repair, removal of some of the saggy bits where her biceps used to be. And I came out of my chair. Stop it, I said. We all have hanging bits and bobs. You look great. You don't need surgery. Get over it. She cussed me, responding that she would never speak to me about it again. Now, I repented by the end of that day, kept trying to explain I was complimenting her, but she wasn't buying it. And now I don't blame her. All I can think is, why did I ever wear that older robe? How did I not know it hugged every chub line in my back. Now I'm thinking that I just need to throw that thing away. I mean, I come from a line of fat-backed people. I come from a goober people. You know that dangle that falls down your neck? My maternal grandmother wore cowl necks and scarves for the second half of her life. She hated her neck so much. I've got the goober neck, but I refuse to be embarrassed about it. I tell myself more often than I care to admit, oh, just get over it. Get over it and embrace who you are with all the bits and bobs. Any woman over the age of 55 has dangling biceps. All right, except Michelle Obama and my friend Sherry Bailey, who both have arms that look to be sculpted out of bronze. We're all tugging at this and pulling at that. So how do we learn to embrace the bodies that we have? at whatever phase of life we're in. How do we learn to look at ourselves through the lens of the one who created the heavens and the earth? Turns out that poor self-image is the number one reason people give for not wanting to go home for the holidays. To that, I just wanna say this. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, Jesus addresses poor self-esteem which means even in the first century, people were worrying about their bits and bobs. Matthew has Jesus saying this, has anyone by fussing in front of a mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think it makes that much of a difference? Walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. But have you ever seen color and design quite as magnificent as that? The 10 best dressed women and men in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives that kind of attention to the flowers, don't you think God takes pride in you? What I'm trying to say here is you need to relax. People who don't know God fuss about all kinds of things. Don't get so worked up about what might happen tomorrow. There's nothing that will happen to you tomorrow 
that you won't be able to face with God by your side. I've checked every translation, and while the words change, the framework remains the same. Don't worry, don't fret the small stuff, don't make the small stuff into big stuff. You worrying is not gonna make a hill of beans worth of difference. For me, it's weight. For you, it could be the size of your nose, the freckles on your face, the width of your hips, the state of your hair, the hair that covers your upper lip, the mole, your feet, the circumference of your wrist. Are you feeling me? The very thing that you think defines who you are to the world turns out to matter only to the still small voice in your own head, in my head. Damn it, what a lot of energy I have wasted on these things. Reinhold Niebuhr was a theologian in the earlier part of the 20th century. And among his many works, there lies a prayer that has been adopted by 12-step programs as well as Christians around the globe. In its original form, written in 1932, the serenity prayer sounded like this. Oh God, grant to us the serenity of mind to accept that which cannot be changed and courage to change the things which can be changed and wisdom to know the one from the other through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. My friends, Take a breath with me. When you get a chance this week, sit for a bit and refriend yourself. You are an amazement to the God who created you. For a moment, breathe in the belief that God has loved you from the very beginning of your life. And on this day, this very day, declare yourself to be wonderfully made. Thanks for spending a few minutes with my leftovers today. Be blessed to be a blessing, and I'll meet you back here next week.